Hey, maybe you've been going through life and you've gone through a situation or an experience. Maybe you have lost a loved one or maybe lost an expectation that you thought you were going to have. And then you hear those words that come along from somebody else. You're still dealing with this? I'm shocked that this is still on your mind. I'm surprised that you're still upset about that situation or that thing or what they said to you. Or maybe even you begin to ask yourself the question of, why am I weak? Why am I still hanging on to this? Why am I still dealing with this? It's been several weeks and days and maybe even months and I'm still working through this. And then the deeper dive is, am I going crazy? Am I going crazy for continually thinking and dwelling on this and having a trigger to that experience? What's wrong with me? Why am I not getting over that? Maybe you even heard someone say the real weighted word. This is God's will for you. This is a growing phase for you in life. You know, today, Lauren is going to walk us through the five stages of grief and grieving. And I hope that this helps you to understand and be self-aware as you grieve in life as a human being, as a human and you walk through the normalcy of grief and what it means to grieve something or someone. Know that this episode is about grief and what it means to grieve. We're all going to grieve something and go through grief. And hopefully these five stages is gonna, are going to help you, you and I, be human in the midst of life. And especially right now during this season. Let's dive in a little deeper. Well, uh, you know, today we want to talk about grief and, and, and the idea of, of grief. And, and Lauren, I just appreciate you uh, joining us and walking with us. And, you know, I, I just want to give a report and a little feedback. Today I was, I was feeling a little anxious and I was feeling that anxiety. And, and Christine looked at me and said, Eric, just go for a run. And uh, I started that run and I made it about a mile and a half and I'd been thinking through what was causing that anxiety. And so thank you for walking us through what it means to recognize triggers and to see that what I need to replace and what I need to do to help. And, uh, and so I can only imagine what our conversation today with grief is, is going to go and, and it's going to help others and, and, uh, to, to look, look at these, uh, Look, not only look at what is grief, what are some signs, and and uh, and how we can move forward. And uh, and when I immediately thought about grief, I really associated associate grief with with death and and uh, being a pastor and walking others through grief. But uh, the more I thought about it, I really thought about the fact that grief is is losing something and or the loss of something, and and maybe you can. Uh, give us a little bit more concrete, but what, from from your perspective, you know, and and as you walk with others through grief, what is what is grief, Lauren? Okay, thank you, thank you for that. Um, yes, grief, as most of us, we we tend to relate it to 
a death, the loss of a person. Uh, grieving, though, can occur with any perceived loss that we experience. And I know in, in my work, many times I have had people come in to counseling and not really know or understand why they are hurting or why they are uh, irritated or angry or just something they can't shake. And as we talk, we start to identify some losses that maybe they did not ever put that framework around them that they were losses. And on top of that, they really did not think about or give themselves permission or, or time really even to grieve those losses. So grief is um, certainly not something that just comes with the death of a person. We could lose um, certainly an object, uh, people who experience house fires or even pets, um, a change of a job, a move. Uh, sometimes even when our next step or whatever we're doing could even look more positive and brighter as a promotion or a move, you know, to a better mm. place. Mm. People who, who graduate high school or college, mm. they're excited about the next step, but they're also grieving that transition, yeah. that transition. And so uh, it can it can be a little bit um unclear as to thinking of things uh, with transitions as change, I mean, as grief. One of the things I think about with grieving that's hard to not talk about is change. Change and grief go very closely together because a lot of the things that we grieve are changes in our life. And of course, change is the root of stress in our life so they they all kind of fall very closely together i find hmm. Hmm. and lauren just in just thinking about what we're all going through with covid and, and thinking about a college student uh that used to have class and they used to have uh, assignments and they used to be in the dorm or the fraternity sorority house what is it, what would it look like for them to no longer have those and what they're going through right now? Yes, exactly. I mean, to say that we are in the midst of change is putting it lightly. And, um, I mean, as you said, everything that was familiar, they had grown accustomed to just got flipped upside down very quickly. And, then also trying to figure out even trying to get home or how fast to get home and then what all to take and so a lot of transition and um, when we when we think about you know that in the context of change it's uh, not knowing what the future is going to hold too. Um, mm. A lot of change mm. that we get to choose, like if I make the choice to move back or if I make the choice to go home or the choice to do something, then that change can be a little bit more pleasant for me. But when things change without my knowing or without my say, those are the 
changes and the times that those emotional responses can be even more intense and strong because I feel more out of control. And uh, the feeling of, the sense of feeling out of control is very unpleasant. We talked a little bit about that with the anxiety. Yeah. Uh, but it also brings certainly about uh, this uncertainty. And I think of it as almost being, you know, one door closes and, and sometimes I close it and I'm okay when I close it. But when it gets closed for me, mm. then I feel a little bit more trapped. And then I know that another door, or maybe I know that another door will open. And that's part of grieving is I eventually get to believe that another door was, will open. But a lot of times we find ourselves in a hallway, so to speak. We're in a hallway between these doors of past and future, and it can be very unsettling. Um, and a lot of that is change. A lot of that is dealing with having to grieve a change from the past of that's done now, and knowing that something's going to happen in the future. And, and of course, what we're dealing with right now is we're all waiting. We're all waiting to see what's going to happen, and we're anticipating, you know, the changes even day to day and what's to come. And so uh, along with that becomes these emotions of this loss of I didn't get to complete this year Mm. as I intended to. Mm. And whether we realize it or not, we all formulate a way or a path that we feel like we're on. You know, this is this is what I'm going to do next. And in March, I'll do this. And in April, I'll do this. And this is the grades I hope to make. And this is that person I wanted to, you know, ask out. Or this is, you know, my plan of meeting with my small group or Mm. whatever that looks like. We formulate that plan. And when all of a sudden that plan is just completely turned upside down, it it creates this sense of loss that I didn't get to complete that. That door got slammed and, and closed for me. So we, you know, we, we all kind of have to just, okay, well, let me just situate and get home and take care of those needs first of being safe and, mm. um, you know, having my needs met um, from mm. a standpoint, maybe financially or just where's food coming from, you know, are we all sheltered together, that type of thing. And then eventually you can start showing some emotional symptoms of grieving, which sometimes look a little bit like depression symptoms. Um, Overall, depression is a part of grieving, but you can sometimes feel numb. You can uh, feel detached from things. Um, You may have some increased irritability, just where you Mm. feel on edge or snappy, Mm -hmm. Um, some just an inability to show joy or to experience joy, even though it, it may take some time to find something that you want to do that brings you joy. Cause again, in all of that transition, it's hard to even want to experience that. So slowly we can kind of realize we're kind of merging into a sense of you know, of grieving, and the first stage of grief is interesting, it's denial, Mm, Um, you know, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about those stages, but the denial is, 
kind of a, a defense mechanism. It's a, it's a very common defense mechanism that we all have in place, just the, the beauty and amazement of how God created us, that almost recognizing that we, we can't always deal with everything at once. So we have to deal with what we can. And so the denial kind of aids us in just taking one layer at a time. And so sometimes we wake up kind of having to reorient ourselves a little bit. Is this really happening? Is this really, am I really back in my room and Mm. studying at that desk? I thought I left, you know, last year or whenever. And so it's very normal to have to almost reorient and recognize this is real, you know? So, um, denial allows us to kind of get through the first steps as we all had to take when, when you had to move home or you had to, um, finish out some things unexpectedly, that type of thing. So. Hmm. In in these stages, do you mind working? Yeah, we can go right through, right on into that. And, um, the, the, one of the most common names and uh, well-known names that has done the most research in grief and loss is uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And in the late 1960s, she published a book uh, called On Death and Dying. And it was basically her research and and working with terminally ill patients. And But out of her research came these well-known um, five stages of grieving. And uh, since then, uh, just if you look up stages of grieving, I I have seen that some uh, abstracts or papers, they they may have seven or eight stages of grieving. Mm -hmm. So we've added a few here and there, and some people have some different takes on it. But these original five stages are kind of, you know, where where I'm... Yes, focusing on, and these are are kind of the roots, so to speak. But the first one is denial. And, again, common defense mechanism. It kind of buffers us. It gives us a chance to catch our breath. It helps us just kind of deal with the first first, uh, details or facts of a situation and take it in a little bit at a time. So, again, the, the thing about that is, is, when you do realize that you're almost having to remind yourself what's real and what's not, and okay. that this is really happening. And, and some people may still be doing that. Um, some people may find that that's not happening as much. It can be short-lived uh, for some, and for some, again, it's, it's still kind of startling. Um, the, the interesting thing about the stages of grieving, even as, as well-researched as they are and as common as they are, no one goes through them the same way. They are very unique to each person. So there's no way of saying you'll be in this stage for this long, and this is what you will exactly experience in this stage. Uh, these stages are rarely do you find two people that have um, done it the same way. They don't even come to people in the same order. Uh, but most commonly, the denial is the first one because it, it just kind of makes sense that you're having to mm. grasp it all. Lauren, if you don't mind introducing those five stages. Gladly. Uh, in the late 
1869, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote and published uh, one of the most well-known books on grief that we still use or refer to today, and it's it was called On Death and Dying. And in this book, she introduced and explored five stages of grief that she had watched and journaled with people who were terminally ill. And so her research came um, from actually people who were dying themselves. So it was very, very moving and um, very accurate from the standpoint of what people experience. So those stages, um, in, in, and there's no, I'm going to say them in an order, but there is no order to them, if that will make sense. You, you certainly don't progress through this in any uh, strict way. But the stages are, the first one is denial. And generally, though, denial does come first. And denial we can also think of as shock. Um, and the second stage can be anger. The third stage, bargaining. The fourth stage, depression. The fifth stage, acceptance. So I want to go back and talk about each one of them. But I do want to say, again, there is no specific order to these stages. One person may skip a couple of stages. Uh, they may jump from denial to depression. Uh, some, somebody may go through them exactly as I've just listed them. Everybody is different. These are more guides to the grieving process. Again, somebody might linger in some anger for a while. Another person might kind of just skim over anger and, and not experience it as deeply. So they are guides and not something to feel like if I skip something or I do have a more intense experience that there's anything wrong. Um, everybody grieves differently. Some are more outward, emotional. Some, some are more internal. Uh, some people, that's just kind of a personality part of us is that we might process through grieving um, outwardly, externally. Some of us keep things in a little bit more, so we have to work a little bit harder at progressing through the grief stages. So, Lauren, uh, the Lauren yes. uh, in, in these, these stages, and I'm thinking a little bit of being aware of these stages so that then you're aware of yourself, correct? Yes, yes, yes. And so self-awareness of, of knowing that when you have experienced a loss, or a change, as we've talked about, that it is very normal to go into grieving. And a lot of times we think of grieving mostly with death, but, but grief comes with any perceived loss or change, as we've stated. So denial can certainly be thought of as a, one of the most common defense mechanisms that we have built in. And it is there to buffer us from intense pain, taking in too much too soon. I think of it as, as layers that uh, our mind can process things a little bit at a time. And so denial allows that to happen in, in due time as, as we are able to comprehend what the, what the loss is and the gravity of it. Sometimes we don't spend a lot of time in this, it, it might be simply 
waking up and having to remind yourself, oh yeah, that really did happen, school is closed, or I am on a second spring break, or I'm not going back this year. Mm. Because at first it seems like that just can't be, and we're having to almost reorient ourselves to what is actually happening. Um, So denial, as I said, generally is the first stage that we experience with that and so when you have that it doesn't mean that you know you you aren't with it or you know something's locking your body is just your mind is just having to take it in a little bit at a time the second stage being anger is um sometimes can come out more with um what we think of is just irritability. People realize that I'm snapping at everybody. I am sharp in my, when I do speak, I don't have any patience. My tolerance is very, uh, very thin. And, you know, all of it sounds like anger. It falls under that umbrella of anger. So um, this is when our reality and our pain are, are emerging and we can feel anger at God. We can feel anger at the loved one who might be, who has left us or we feel they have left us or abandoned us. We can feel angry at the situation we are in and that is more pertinent to what we're all going through right now is we're frustrated. We're frustrated that this is happening and again, sometimes we can take that out on God, feeling that he is in control of everything and why are you letting this happen? We're angry at the consequences that the situation is allowing. Um, if we didn't finish the semester the way we wanted, we didn't have the graduation, we didn't have the um, chance to come back and regroup after spring break and share with friends or finish out our experience in the dorm that we wanted or within a, a social group that we had plans to. So anger, a lot of times slips in, I find. Uh, People, again, may find that they're irritable, they're in a bad mood, and they've really never thought of it as you're angry, and it's a part of grieving. So it can it can come in a little sneaky, I think. So the, the next stage, the third stage we think of is bargaining. And bargaining is, it, the, the title doesn't always line up with, with exactly what what that stage is meaning other than if we are in the midst of a loss and we are somewhat grappling with wanting a certain outcome, we can start trying to bargain with God. Um, if you will give me more time, if I will do this, if you will do this, and we're, we're trying to strike this deal within ourselves, within God, with God present, uh, and is that process sometimes of trying to create more time, have more time. I find, too, that bargaining is our way of trying to understand what has happened. I find that we can use phrases like, if only I had done such and such, if only I had planned ahead, if only I had finished that before that's happened. We're somewhat trying to regain control of what has been lost, but we're also trying to make it add up. Um, We're trying to make two plus two equal four, and many times with losses, they just 
happen and we don't ever have a lot of sense of them, which is hard for us. It's hard to feel out of control. So bargaining is a way of somewhat regaining control. Sometimes there can be guilt associated um, and that might be going back and even beating ourselves up a little bit for things that we feel like we missed, things that we think we should have seen or done and many times that would not have made a lot of difference and again it's our way of trying to to add something up so the the fourth stage would be depression and depression is probably the stage that makes the most sense to all of us because we assume with a loss there's going to be sadness and of course um then deeper than that being depression and the sadness i mean just mostly comes from the separation for the, from the per- person or the event or the thing, the change that we're dealing with, uh, the, the adjustments that we're having to make, the void that we are having to fill, and the sadness that comes over us from that. And depression can be a stage that we have to navigate a little closely because some of us may have a little tendency to have some depressed days over anyway um um, they may kind of lay dormant in there um and experiencing a loss can bring that depression to the surface if you will so depression is one that we you want to be in touch with people you want to monitor and make sure that it does not spiral downward to where a person on its most extreme might even be starting to think about why am I even here? I don't have any purpose here. Statements mm. and thoughts that might mean they are, are starting to think about uh, taking their life or hurting their, themselves in some way. And that would be an extreme case. Depression, though, overall can be very difficult to uh to navigate or just it it tends to take energy it tends to take focus away we don't want to do the things we normally do Uh, we don't sleep as well we don't have much appetite or we have a lot of appetite it can go either way so depression i tell people can feel like walking through peanut butter it it feels like i'm using a lot of energy and not getting very far Mm. Uh, so for people who have experienced depression, they certainly uh, know that it is um, can be a frustrating place to be because we all want to get better very quickly, and depression tends to move slowly. The last stage um, that I'll mention is acceptance. And acceptance is the recognition that we are going to be okay yeah. and that there is hope. And acceptance is the realization of I'm going to still have a fulfilling life, a fulfilling college experience, a fulfilling summer next year, that we do start to regain some sense of something, the new door opening, the next part of life taking over and Mm. that we can actually start feeling a little excitement about that or a little um trepidation that it's it's going to be okay yeah wow and you know i think right now just looking at grief all i hear is 
these five stages and walking through these five stages in the midst of this situation right now, COVID, definitely in life in general, but I can just see all these, the, the denial, I can see the anger, the bargaining, the depression, and even others coming to that point of acceptance. But really, I just, I just see it really vividly right now. I don't know if you, if Lauren, if you're seeing that, I just, yes. uh, I, I see it in myself. Yes, I think all of us are are there, and we we without realizing it developed a thinking of a timeline that we would be out of this by a certain point, we would be back to our norm by a certain point, and that week may come and go, and it's not changed, or we are not given um, a, a lift from sheltering or social distancing so the the grieving can almost start over again in a, in a way where we've gotten used to it but we still our hope kind of you know we we want to go up a little bit but then we kind of come back down to okay where it's not what I thought and so that that hope is kind of dashed and we go back through it again maybe not quite as intensely but we can go back and revisit one of those stages and feel sad about it again, feel shock, feel uh, a word that can come into play is numb. You know, I, I just don't know exactly what to feel, and that can certainly fit into all of this, or even the depressed part is um, I'm just not sure. Uh, I don't don't have a, a good sense of what my feelings um, are. So the main thing that I really have always wanted people to know with a change in their life and grieving is that it's very normal. Mm. You know, a lot of times these emotions can be scary to us, especially if we've just never had intense emotions or even a lot of negative emotions, especially that might linger or last more than a situation or a day or few days um, these tend to scare people and, and if anything I've ever wanted to relieve or take off is that this is a normal reaction to a change and a loss it's a normal process that all of us go through when we are have, have perceived a loss or we are hurting uh, from, from something that mm. is not there mm. well I just I thank you for these five stages. I think that they are definitely something that I hope we revisit from just a little bit more detailed, you know, dive into denial and anger and bargaining depression and what those look like to monitor and to look and to examine. But thank you, and, you know, I look forward to a continued conversation about these. Thank you. just wasn't there. 
again, one of the things about these stages that's interesting is we don't experience them the same way as individuals. We don't go through them in any specified order. People jump around. Denial typically is the first stage, but you can also have some denial later where you know, you're having to deal with another part of something and you had not really thought of that at that point. So, but the other four stages past the denial, people may skip completely. People may spend a lot of time there. They may, they may even have a little bit of acceptance where they've had a little season where things have seemed better, but then a time of year comes around. Um, Mm. Something, something takes them back into one of those feelings. Sometimes with grief, you're just going to have some good days and you're going to have some bad days. And knowing that grieving is normal and that it is going to improve is one of the things that helps you be able just to kind of float with it. Mm. You know, I, I tell people, don't fight those feelings or the grieving, just float along with it mm-hmm. um, because then you can allow yourself a chance to experience it and that's that's how we get to the other side that's how we do reach acceptance is we allow ourselves to experience it and don't fight it or deny it or um, you know tell ourselves that we, we we should be strong and this isn't what we're supposed to feel because that's that is certainly not the truth. These are God-given emotions that, um, understandably, like I said, are very normal when we lose or lose something, lose a situation. Certainly, if we have a, a loss of, of life in our in our in our midst. You know, I think hearing you walk through these five stages, I guess the question or the thought that I have is that it's it's not so much something you want to run through it's or rush through but it's something where you need to be self-aware of what you're what you're wow and yes very much so and it grieving can be frustrating in our culture because you know we we're used to things getting better pretty quickly you know um putting aside the COVID-19 virus but a lot of the things that we get sick from, a sinus infection, throat, even the flu, within a week or two, we're really back on track. And sometimes if it's something we've had an antibiotic, we get, we get back pretty quick, you know, and back in, in functioning. And grieving is a slow process, and it, it does, you can't really speed it up or, or we don't need to speed it up. And so it really takes our patience to, to allow ourselves to um, experience it and, and not rush it, as you said, and, and being self-aware that this is one of those hard days, you know, or this is, I just can't get myself right today, you mm. know, and that's okay. And that's okay. And, and maybe I need to go into that self-care of what could I do to nurture myself today? Um, what could I do to just know that you know tomorrow likely tomorrow can be a better day um but just get through that day sometimes so but very much so that is and i think the one thing that in our conversations that's going to come up is uh self-awareness and 
And uh, so I look forward to exploring that with you. And I think you answered one of my questions that I was going to really think on was how long should grief last? Uh, but I, I want to see if I can move us toward how do we, that just that, that repetitive question, how do we live with eyes wide open, a heart vulnerable, hands ready to serve someone in regards to grief, life, and community? Yeah, yeah. That, that's a great question because if we're, if we're not experiencing ourselves, we, we certainly know people who are, maybe who are having a harder time with a transition or a change. And, um, you know, I think about just being patient with that person because two people don't experience this the same way. It's recognizing that a person who's grieving differently is not wrong. They're just different. It's just different for them. And it may be because of something that is more disappointing to them or harder for them. Um, I mean, there may be some background that we would understand that more when we know that background. So um, being being able to be supportive, being able to just truly listen to that person without judgment, without telling them or expecting them to just get over it. You just, you know, want to acknowledge their pain and acknowledge whatever if you hear anger if you hear sadness just being able to acknowledge it and we just want to avoid you know anything that would imply you know can't you get past this or Mm. i'm not feeling that way Mm. why are you feeling that way or Mm. um anything that makes them feel like they are wrong (laughs) Mm. you know or, or or they are weak or lacking in some way that certainly does not know help and and we don't want to necessarily just take that feeling from them a lot of times we can well let's go do this and you'll feel better you know and it may be that what they really need is just for somebody to sit with them for a while and not that you have to don't get out of the mindset that you have to fix anything there's nothing that can be fixed here this is a time to just be with a person and listen and support and sometimes that may even happen in silence uh, but it gives them a chance to talk when they want to to know that someone's present and that is very healing for a person to feel completely accepted regardless of where they are in those stages and how those those emotions are coming out for them uh, to not feel judged in that in the midst of what they're well in the midst of what they're going through because one person's loss may not be perceived as a loss to someone else but that doesn't mean their perception is not valid it again they they are perceiving it as a loss and if we as we understand that person that may make more sense to us but again not to show judgment of why is this so hard for you or you should get past this and we, uh, we all can think that if, it, if, if we're not experiencing it, then nobody else should be either, you know. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have to get out of ourselves a little bit, so mm-hmm. to speak, and just being willing to do that and accept a person where they are wow. With, wow. with their experiences. So, um, you know, one of the things, Eric, I was thinking about just with experiencing loss is um, – uh, you know, I think about just taking care of yourself when you are grieving. And, and if there's anything, I think that 
has been in my experience as a counselor it's it's helping people not feel that they are you know losing it or or going crazy or any of those things that we can extremely feel can be happening grieving emotions can come on come on come along in waves that are unpredictable and they can be scary because we don't understand what's happening a lot of times and if there's anything that I feel like I've I have consistently seen as being able to comfort people and say, you know, this is completely normal what you're experiencing, you know, and, and I would just want people to know that a lot of times their feelings fit right in place with grieving and, and normal grieving for sure. At the same time, being able to recognize that and take care of yourself, you know, a lot of time that's making sure you're eating and sleeping and trying to take care of just those physical needs Mm -hmm. that you have um uh being able to express your feelings having somebody supportive to talk to um, have a routine or a schedule as soon as you can to get back we talked about scheduling just a little bit with anxiety that that can be helpful just to kind of give some structure to the day and and even with grieving, having a plan, having a, what do I feel like I can do tomorrow? And getting back back um, into your classes, back into that routine that you feel comfortable with. Um, avoid substances. I know that's something we've touched on. Mm-hmm. Alcohol is yeah. a depressant, so we don't, it's really not good to add that to the mix, you know. So we just don't want to overindulge in any substances or Try to avoid substances. Also avoid making major decisions. You don't want, when you know you're grieving something, you don't want to make a big decision mm, right wow. then in the midst of that. You don't want to de- decide, I'm never going back, or mm-hmm. that will never work, or you you want to press pause for a little bit and just give yourself some time to heal before you really make a decision, uh, especially a major decision. Mm. Um, asking for help when you need it um, trying to do something you do enjoy I mean those are certainly some things one of the the things that's a little bit neat to think about is when you talk about allowing yourself to grieve Mm -hmm. you you almost want to set aside some time which can even be seen as a little ritual that I, I set aside some time to really think about and be aware of that loss and be able to mourn that loss. And this just allows you to have a specific time and a place where you let your mind to encourage those feelings Mm -hmm. to come forward. Wow. You know, and, and sometimes we need to just slow down and give ourselves a permission or an openness to let those grieving emotions let us ha- let ourselves have them mm. and that can be we may need to write about them we may, may need to let ourselves cry about them um but we we set aside some time to allow that to happen or we go for a walk and we let that happen if you're mm-hmm. not a sitting person you know but you open yourself up to a period of time for for that to be experienced and sometimes this is just good because you are slowing down and experiencing it but you're also maybe by doing this you're taking away 
from those unpredictable waves from engulfing you when you least want them. Mm. You know, so sometimes it's it serves a couple of purposes there. Kind of um, levels of shift. Yes, mm. yes. Mm. So, but a big part of grieving is not being afraid of it and being able to see it as a normal process of healing. But in healing, we have to, unfortunately, experience it. Um, we, we have to walk through the swamp sometimes to get to the other side and grief emotions can be unpleasant and yet they come and by allowing them and feeling them, we heal well. And so when we do go into acceptance and we move forward, we're just healthier individuals. We're not bitter. We're not irritable, our de- the depression has healed, uh, everything kind of has reset mm. in a way. And we all may know someone who just seems like they never seem the same after that event happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes grieving doesn't happen at all or it doesn't, it, we don't allow ourselves to feel things and so uh, we just kind of repress it and mm. it may come out later. It may it may come out as something some other negative emotion that hinders us down the road. You know, I think the quote that I just want want to hang hang on to is grief is a normal process of healing. And yes. that I think being aware that's that self aware you know, being aware that grieving and walking through grief and acknowledging these five stages would help someone walk through and heal well. And the song that, the hymn that pops up into my mind is, uh, It Is Well With My Soul. Yes, yes, and, for sure. You know, just, um, and knowing that we're in that process of moving toward acceptance and it might not go as quickly as we would like, but it's the right. speed that we need. So right. that that right. is... That is rich, uh, Lauren. It, are there? Is there, you know, one or two more things that you uh, you want to bestow upon us, or or have we worked our way pretty good, pretty I well think, through? I, I do. I think we have talked about um, all of it. The the only the one of the last things that I would encourage anyone is when we think about the sadness part mm-hmm. of depression and we think about just some folks have even a history of depression, depression would be one of the stages that we do want to monitor. And a person does want to see and, and have that self-awareness of, am I taking steps? Do I see a little bit of uh, brightness coming back? within myself, within my ability to enjoy some things. Uh, Grief can take from, you know, weeks to years, and there's no set timetable. Mm. At the same time, it is meant to be temporary. It is meant to be a season that we progress through. If that depression continues to somehow be worsening or deepening or a person just notices that, they really feel more withdrawn. They feel um, things they normally enjoy. They have no interest in. They don't want to be around people. Um, and certainly if they have any thoughts of wanting to harm themselves mm-hmm. or 
someone else. So we want to really make monitor that and to encourage that person to get to their doctor to get somewhere where they can seek help. Mm-hmm. Um, that the depression part of that can be the like I said, it's the one that we just want to monitor and uh, not let it spiral down as mm-hmm. depression can tend to do anyway. Mm-hmm. So, and that's one of the reasons to have the support systems around us to even let ourselves be supportive to ourselves. Wow. Uh, get, again, give ourselves permission to do this. And a lot of times in doing that, we're, we're keeping that depression from sinking, you know, and um, so, but again, that would be another just thought, a little asterisk there is the depression area is the one we want to monitor mm-hmm. and uh, well, move I'll, in the right direction. So I look forward to talking to you about depression. That I, That's going to be a, a really good one to walk through. And, uh, and uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you thank know, you. I, thank you. This is a, it's a, I'm so glad to share and, and, and just be able to talk about something that can be, that can be a hard part of life and change is going to be a part of mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. and we we still don't necessarily like that but it, it is a way to start looking at with situations how do I how do I see change and how do I cope with it sometimes mm-hmm. and grieving certainly comes along with that so it it is um, I love being able to talk about something that hopefully can be seen more as normal versus something that could be scary to people with intense or stronger emotions than what they may be used to feeling in themselves. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's not so much uh, to, to not talk about and keep it far off, but more of to be aware of it, to be aware of ourselves. And uh, I, I, I'm just going to hang on to the, the quote, grief is the normal process of healing, is a normal yes. process of healing. And, yes. uh, and working and looking at those five stages and, so thank you for walking us through that, and I'm sure these stages will will come back up and in, in other topics we can maybe explore together, and and because yes. uh, those are those are great. Thank you for listening to this week's Catalyst. Go ahead and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And the next step is to click subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And a huge thanks to Josh Ingram for producing The Catalyst. We look forward to joining with you next week in conversation. And until then, be a catalyst of God's grace for someone else.